American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. So in the 1990s and early 2000s, when a young adult moved out of the home, got a job, started a career, maybe got married, the first question that they get asked by their parents, by their in-laws, any other older adults who are interested in their welfare is, so, when are you going to buy a home? And it's not surprising that they were asked this question because the single family home is very, very important in the mythology of the American middle class by this point, and it's important for a lot of good reasons. I mean, first of all, you get a tremendous tax exemption, a uh, tremendous tax break, so it represents a government investment uh, in the single family home. The government has also created all sorts of entities, which Lewis has talked about, to help families buy homes, to help them secure mortgages, and that means it's their one point of access to the massive leverage that is now available from the burgeoning capital markets of the late 20th century. And so for investors, this was a way in which to capture the safety of the house for all the ordinary Americans for their own investments. And so after the collapse of the dot-com boom, dot-com bubble, we see a movement of capital into mortgages, especially the mortgage-backed security, these bonds that fund housings, houses. And so what happens is there's this massive demand by investors for mortgage-backed securities. And so naturally, the real estate industry revs up and creates new opportunities for individuals to borrow. And so that the money can then be, those mortgages could then be sold off into the markets. That's where the money is being made. And so we see over the 2000s, this tremendous explosion in the amount of capital surging into the American mortgage market, not just from the US, but from around the world. And in this process, the credit quality of the people who are being lent money to begins to fall. Because of course, this completely coincides with the further erosion of the American household income. Now, it looks like an economy-wide boom from the sort of 30,000-foot view of the American economy in the mid middle of the decade between 2000 and 2010. Economic growth rates look pretty good. The stock market is doing well, in part because these giant uh, firm, Wall Street firms like Goldman Sachs and Lehman Brothers are selling so many of these mortgage-backed securities. And employment is rising, especially in areas that are associated with the housing boom, whether we're talking about construction uh, or the massive industry that, that uh, erupts around the country to convince people uh, to get more mortgages, to get them qualified for mortgages, and so on and so forth. So it looks like a, a boom, but in fact, what we see is that household income for the middle and working classes is not actually increasing in real terms. The only thing that's growing is the prices of houses. And so people are able to borrow against their houses and use that money either to meet current expenses or as people who thought they were very clever did, speculate in buying new houses. And so around 2005, 2006, we see a real eruption in the amount of speculative housing. And yet, soon enough, uh, after that eruption really reaches full tide, house prices start to creep downward, especially in some of the markets that are newest and most speculative. Essentially what's happening is the housing economy is running out of buyers. 
and that in turn starts to put pressure on the value of all of these mortgage-backed securities and on the investments that financial firms and others have made in the expansion of the national housing market. And this is a classic bubble. And what happens is that unlike in uh, most of American history in which prices in New York are different than the prices in Texas, because this is a national market and the connections are in finance, things begin to fall apart everywhere all at once. And so what you see is this total unraveling of the mortgage markets, which then leads to a collapse in the stock market. In 2007, one of the Wall Street giants, Bear Stearns, goes under. But what is created by the intervention of the federal government is a sort of soft landing for investors. And there's a lot of criticism about the way that the other financial firms and the investors in Bear Stearns really make out quite well, despite the fact that Bear Stearns itself has engaged in all kinds of questionable practices and unwise investments. So it's widely known or certainly widely suspected that if another financial giant starts to go under, the federal government is not going to bail it out this time. And so we see this neoliberal austerity coming home to roost. So this belief in markets, this belief in the failure of private firms in the, in the advance of capitalism begins to strike, will strike at the heart of capitalism itself on Wall Street. And so when Lehman Brothers begins to go under, they let it fail. And in that week that follows the failure of Lehman Brothers in September 2008, what you see all of a sudden is that all of the true believers, or the people who said they're true believers, start to recalculate their beliefs. And all of a sudden, as market after market starts to collapse, domino after domino starts to fall, you see them saying, wait a minute, there's a role for the government after all. After all. Come bail us out. It's presidential candidates, government officials, uh, Federal Reserve officials are racing all over the place trying to stop the contagion in the markets. There is, I said, a week or so where it seems as though Western capitalism as a whole is about to go under. Major firms are not going to be able to meet their payrolls. People are going to lose their life savings. And soon enough, we're going to see that spreading from Wall Street throughout the entire economy. The question is, will the government be able to contain it? And will policies change in the wake of this financial collapse? And in the aftermath of the crisis, there begins to be a questioning of beliefs that had been seen as pure truths, religious truths, for almost 40 years. The question of these neoliberal assumptions, both by business people and those outside of business, those critical. This is where the Occupy movement comes from. It comes out of a new critique that is now finding broad resonance in American society. As those house prices fall, as those 401ks fall, it's no longer that these large financial crises are limited to the affluent, but are actually cutting into everything that ordinary Americans had had. They had not been paid for a generation, but they had been uh, had this asset in their house rise. And so when those assets fall, so too does the belief in the American dream. And so these new kinds of critical movements like Occupy, on some sense, were not particularly successful because they occupied uh, they focused on the financial industry rather than the real industry of goods and services. And so you can see it in the protests, that when they occupy in New York City, Zuccotti Park, you know, which is actually not where finance actually occurs, finance occurs on Wall Street. So no one really cares. They let them occupy, they let them protest, whatever. But when people begin to go for the container ports, those places where this commodities move from China to America, where all the profit is realized in the new globalization, that's when the billy clubs come out and the ports are protected because the ports are the choke points in the fragile network of the capitalist economy at a global level. 
And at the level of the government and the ways in which citizens understand the government, uh, what we see is a long period of uncertainty, of questioning, uh, and of some people trying to reassert that the old truths are still true. As the new Obama administration moves to create what it hopes will be a new New Deal, it starts to encounter all kinds of opposition and all kinds of protests, some of it among its institutional uh, opponents uh, and some of it uh, among those who still want to be true believers in the kind of capitalism that has reigned for the previous 40 years. And while, and while these kinds of reforms focus on the surface, they focus on the bad apples, the real truth of the matter is that while there was always some double dealing and fraud, there always is in capitalism. What here is a structural problem, a structural problem of inequality, of people on the middle, in the middle not being paid for 40 years and that money accreting at the top and being invested in financial products that create bubbles and collapses, but produce no value and no jobs in the end. All around the country, as the air goes out of the economy of the 2000s, the question is still there, uh, how will it reinflate? All around the country, as people are dealing with real-world issues, lost jobs, lost houses, local and state governments that can't get the tax revenue that they need to support even the bare-bones functions that they've been allowed after the uh, pro-market, small government um, ideology has run wild, people are starting to wonder, how are we going to pay policemen? How are we going to pay firemen? How are we going to pay for these basic services? And the answers still have not been determined. Uh, the way that the economy is going to look if it ever takes real account of what happened in 2008 and in the years leading up to it has still not been determined. And the recovery that has happened in the wake of 2008 is in some ways just a repeat of what we saw in the previous decade. Absolutely. People still celebrate the rising house prices. People still celebrate uh, a stock market uh, in which the real gains primarily accrete to the top layer of the economy, primarily go to those 1% uh, that the Occupy movement was protesting. But wages are still falling, work is still precarious, and this instability at the bottom fundamentally leads to an instability to capitalism as a whole. The answer, in short, is still to be determined because we know that what has failed in the past might very well fail again in the future. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to Facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Mm -hmm.